was to do this, there are five Sundays in April. So I was going to do S-T-E-P-S in April. Then I realized that the first Sunday in April, of course, was Easter. So I thought, well, I'll move back into March, March 25th, and we'll do S, and then we'll do Easter, and then we'll do T-E-P-S. Well, it's the 20th of May, and this is T. Now, in my defense, I didn't spend all those weeks on S. We just had a lot of things going on in our church family, and so our Sundays, things changed a little bit. And and there's more to it than that. I I love to teach, and I I love to preach, but what, what, what we're doing on Sunday mornings, this little series, I find to be difficult. See, I have notes. I have lots of notes. And here's the thing. Every week that we didn't do it, we went to the next week and the next week, I had more time to study, more time to look at things having to do with trusting God, things that I thought, oh, yeah, this is important. But again, I still wanted it to be a single one message for this one point. Because the idea behind this series is these five truths you need to know as soon as you're saved, and you need to know them all the days of your life, And you need to remember them when you're mature in Christ. What are the things that God wants us to know from the very beginning all the way through our walk with him until the conclusion of our walk? And the first one was very simple. Actually, all of them are very easy to pick. The first one is S, right? And that's Savior. Not salvation, but Savior. We don't have time to go over that. We surely don't have time to go over that. You need, if you want to go back and look at it, you're welcome to. We keep, you know, of course, keeping the series. I'm going to move over here. Because so you can see this, and I'll get the uh, control, and I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll yell to James, and he'll help me out. We'll swap these waters. I hope you don't mind, James, uh, John. James drank out of this one during Sunday school, and I like John and everything, but not enough to drink water after him. So, uh, amen. <clears throat> so steps of faith, your walk with God. T is for trust God. Start by pointing right here. This is lesson two of five. Let's pray, because I really, I really am aware of how much I need help. Father, Lord, it's, this is such an important truth. And Lord, I really believe that your children, all of us, need to understand. Lord, we're going to see this and say, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Trust God. Salvation or Savior, trust God. Yeah, that's good. But Lord, help us to understand what it means to trust you. Lord, help us to understand just how much you make reference to this, how many different words you use to talk about this and what it means in our life. And Father, as the, as the Father that came and, and said to the Lord Jesus, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Lord, cause me to realize where I don't trust you. Cause me to realize where I'm trusting myself instead. Bless us, Father, that we might enter into these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> so T is for trust God, and, and, I, and the, the title of it was almost trust God at his word, just instead of just trust God, but trust God at his word. Now, let me say this. This is important. You cannot trust God except at his word. Do you understand? You cannot trust God except for trusting God at his word. You cannot trust God as I tell you about God. 
If you're, now, I can be honest and I can say accurate, true things about God, but you should not trust men or women as they tell you about God unless you're looking into the Bible with them while they're telling you. You need to believe God at his word and not what you think about it. In fact, I went so far as to say not your own understanding. It is remarkable. It is remarkable how full of this we are in American Christianity. We will use the correct and accurate terminology talking about believing God, trusting God, having faith in God, having hope in God, all of the right words, which are all, by the way, words that God used to talk to us about our trusting him. But what God wants you to do is this, believe him at his word, not what you think, Trust God at his word. Now, let me give you an example of this. And I, I've given this example a number of times. I've been in the ministry now. I left engineering in, in 2000. So I've been in the ministry for quite a while. I would say that the number one thing that parents, when they come to talk to me about their children, the number one thing that parents say to me when they come talk to me about their children is this. Pastor, we were promised if we did certain things, that our children would turn out a certain way, and that hasn't happened. And this is my question. Who promised that to you? And this is their answer. Our church did, or our pastor did, or our youth pastor did. Somebody told them, if you'll do things like this, and by the way, they probably had Sunday school books, materials, that, that had these things in it. Do this, do this, do this, do this. You want to go down to Lifeway today? We can get a million how-to books, right? But here's the thing. This is the question. What did God say in his word about this? And you want to know the answer? You want to know the, the answer? This is the answer, I would say, probably as an absolute every time. You know what the answer is? I don't know. I don't know. Well, they're your children. What do you mean you don't know? See, God wants you to believe him at his word. What is it? Listen, listen. Very few of us don't have enough time to open our Bible and spend time with God. We don't have enough time to do it, but it's not because we don't have enough time, because we're doing something else with that time. Because we put our time and our effort and our energy, even our money, into something other than opening the Word of God and spending time with God. Now, by the way, life eternal is knowing God. Eternal life is knowing God. What is it? Listen, do you truly, really want to walk with God? Do you want eternal life? And this is what God's, and boy, I tell you, the more I get to know him, the more wonderful I realize he is. He is, he is worthy of all of my time. He is worthy of all of your time. He really is. And here's the thing, there's such benefit in that time, such tremendous benefit. And many of you recognize this. There's probably, if I gave an invitation right now and said, if you can testify to the preciousness of quiet time with God, those times when you get to spend more than 10 minutes, those times when it gets to 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, and you're alone with God, and you're in the Word, and you're listening to, to uh, spiritual songs, and you're, boy, does anybody understand what I'm saying? And you just, get, you just get up and want to run around, shout, amen, even as a good Baptist. You just want to get up and run around and say, and, and just thank God. But, there's, but why is our life not more full of that? And the reason for that is because what we do is we put something else in that place. <clears throat> we open to Proverbs. This is chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord. And what's it say right here? How much of it? 
Now, who, now what's it say here? What's this word? Trust. And we're going to talk, we're going to spend, we're going to spend a, a fair amount of time talking about trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. God wants us to trust in the Lord. That's what he wants. He wants us to put our confidence, our faith. We're going to talk a lot about it. We're going to look at, it, here's the thing. We're going to look at seven different ways, words, really. They're either Hebrew or Greek words. And, and you know, every now and then my children will uh, make fun of me at the house. It'll be typically on a Monday night. And somebody will make some reference to, well, in the Greek, you know, it means such and such. And they won't even be right when they say that, by the way. They'll just, they'll just make some statement. I, I'm not trying to teach Hebrew or Greek. I just want you to understand that when you, when, when, when you open your Bible, that God has chosen the words carefully to teach us carefully because he wants us to understand that trust is a very significant, deep, and important truth in our life. So that's what we're going to see together. Trust in the Lord, and then we see this with all of our heart. But there's, a, there's, there's not just this positive statement, with all thine heart. There's actually a warning. And what is the warning? And the warning is, lean not unto thine own understanding. The more capable we are, the more intelligent we are, the more prone we are to think that at a first, a casual reading of a passage that we understand what it means. And if we were taught this somewhere in a class or something like that, we're really confident at that point, well, I have a full understanding. I really know what's going on in this passage. But what we need to have is the humility to say this, Lord, I trust you. I read the word of God, and I ask you that I would not lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I want to acknowledge you. And here's the wonderful, what a tremendous promise, right? And he shall direct thy paths. We have, we have a lot of young people in our church. I'm thankful we have a lot of young people in our church. We have a lot of young families in our church even. But we have a lot of the, of the age, you know, 16 through 30, if you will. Many people who are starting to make really important choices. And this is the, this is the truth. If you're going to make an important choice, ask God. Ask God. Let him lead you. God is not wanting to hide the truth from you. He's not wanting to hide his will from you. Ask him, and he will show you. Don't lean on your own understanding. Now, what I want to do is, it's this, you see the top here, it says, trusting God biblically defined. So, seven. You know, this is the thing. It's, a, it's going to take a minute to do this. I don't want to take too long. So, what I'd like you to do is just write the references down. And I tried to put down... Instead of the whole definition, instead of putting the actual Greek and the Hebrew up here and going through the actual definition, I tried to narrow it down to a small phrase, either a couple of words or a small phrase, so that you could write them down. You can look them up for yourself later. You can see that these things are accurate. You, you can look them up in different helps. But I want you to see these things. So the seven ways that God talks to us about trusting him. Number one, trust for immediate, vital safety. And here's one of the passages that uses that. Trust, uh, excuse me, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. Now, this is immediate vital safety. Picture this with me. This is, um, uh, anybody know what a shelter is? Anybody ever go hiking, camping, that kind of a thing? Anybody know what a shelter is? Okay, so what's the purpose of the shelter? Somebody help me. Protection from, the, yeah, from, protection from the weather, the elements, and the animals, right? That's really the, the whole point of it. Here's what it's not. 
Here's what it's not. It's not 70 degrees in the shelter, unless it's 70 degrees outside the shelter, right? Shelters are typically climate controlled. The climate controls the weather inside the shelter, okay? But they're there to keep you from dying. They're there to protect you. When I was a young man, I don't remember what the event was. I was trying to think about what the event was. We were outside in a field. There were a number of shelters. This is up in New England. And a, one of those really flash thunderstorms came up. You know, we're all out in the field and we're all playing. And the next thing you know, literally, there's thunder and lightning everywhere. And this is what, and this is what those who are adults who are taking care of us yell. This is what they yell. Run for the shelters. And you know what everybody did? They ran for the shelters. Except for one guy whose shoe was not tied. We were probably eight years old. And I'm sure that his parents had drilled into him, don't walk with your shoes untied. Right? You know, we teach our children to tie our shoes. I don't know if kids even wear shoes that have shoelaces anymore. I don't know if that's the case. But anyway, so we're running to the shelter, and he stops in the middle of the field in a puddle, by the way, to tie his shoe. Right? And we get to the shelter, and there's, I mean, it's just, it's, it was a beautiful storm. I don't know if you like storms. I, it was just, I'm like watching it. This is marvelous. And then I see the lightning strike the ground. His name was Danny, not far from where Danny was tying his shoe. In the, and Danny went flying through the air. It was remarkable how far uh, you can be thrown through the air by a bolt of lightning. Now, he survived that. We went, you know, they, after they ran out and got him and, 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 and dragged him under the shelter. Now, the reason I say this is because what they said was trust the shelter. Trust the shelter. Go to the shelter. They were built specifically to protect us from this. This is, and this is really remarkable. I believe that God makes this first on purpose. God wants the first level of trust in your life to be this. I will always help you. I will always help you. If you ask me, I will help you, right? Peter, Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter says, Lord, bid me, and I'll come to you. And Jesus says, come. Come on out, Peter. And what does Peter do? He begins to walk on the water. He's walking to Jesus. He gets his eyes off of Jesus, and he starts to do what? Sink. And what, is, and what does he say when he starts to sink? It's one of the shortest prayers ever, yes? Help, Lord. And what does Jesus do? He helps him. Do you understand? God wants, please hear me. God wants, please, this, again, there's very little that you have to remember from today. God wants you, as soon as something goes wrong, to say, help, Lord. Help, Lord. He wants you to trust him for immediate vital safety. And the Hebrew word says this. The next one is to place confidence in or to be sure of. To place confidence in or be sure of. Now, there are two of them. I want you to see two different verses. Now, here's what's happened. Uh, the enemies of God have come against the nation of Israel. And, and, and what they are doing, and they're saying this in the presence of the army. It's really very, very, it's, it's, it's psychological warfare. They're actually conducting psychological warfare. And here's what they say. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in Jehovah. Don't let him make you trust in Jehovah, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. So now this is not immediate vital safety. This is to be confident in. And what he's saying is this. In a negative sense, what, what, what this general is saying is this. You are going to be told by your king that you can trust your God, but you can't. But you can. But you can. And God is going to conquer their enemies. But I want you to realize, listen, this is so, I don't know what it is. I mean, I really don't. Today, I, I, I'm, I'm quite confident that today there's something in your life 
that's bigger than you are. There's something going on in your life today that is bigger than you are, something that's difficult, something that you're, you're, you are forced to have to address or to deal with. And here's the good news. It's not bigger than God is. Do you understand? You may not have to run for immediate safety. It's not often that we have to run for immediate safety. But there are often times in our lives when we are not trusting in God and we are instead trusting in something else. And, what, and, and this guy says, don't trust in the Lord. But notice what we see here in Psalm 25 2. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Now, again, this is not somebody running for a shelter. This is someone who sees the storm approaching. They have plenty of time. They're making the decision, where am I going to find safety? Where am I going to find rest? Who is going to help me through the difficulty that I can either see coming or I'm in the middle of right now? And the answer is God. You can believe God at his word. Open the word of God. Get down on your knees and talk to God about whatever it is and let God speak to you about this. Number three. Hope, expectation. Now, it's interesting because we've learned together here at Tidewater that the word hope means expectation. And in this passage right here, you see it's, it's a long extended passage, and it's, I'm going to read the whole thing. I want you to see the context. But it's right down here. In his name shall the Gentiles trust. And this would often be translated hope, okay? And it has the idea of expectation. In other words, I know something's going to happen, it just hasn't happened yet. How many of you are going to lunch? Raise your hand if you're going to lunch. Raise your hand up high if you're going to lunch. Anybody, is everybody going to lunch? Oh, well, a lot of people aren't raising your hand. Are you guys not eating lunch? How many of you are going to eat lunch? Raise your hand if you're going to eat lunch. Ah, oh, there we go. Okay. I guess maybe people thought I meant go out for lunch. Okay. <clears throat> How many of you are really confident you're going to have lunch? Raise your hand if you're really confident you're going to have lunch. How many of you are making that lunch? Raise your hand if you're making that lunch. Nah, not as many. Some of you are confident in somebody else. Do you understand? That's, that's, that's real hope. I'm having lunch. I know I am. My wife is making it for me. That's right. Do you understand? So here's what, listen, this is really important. And I know many of you have probably said lasagna. Already, you already said it, right? And I can't have lasagna right now. I'm losing weight, okay? I'm not allowed to have lasagna. There's nothing in lasagna that's on my diet, I don't think, except for the cheese if I don't eat anything else, okay? So here's the thing. If my wife says to me, honey, we're having lasagna for dinner, and I'm making it right now, I know that I'm going to have, and I really like lasagna, okay? I know that I'm having lasagna, but I'm not having it for lunch. Do you understand? I'm going to stay in my office, finish what needs to be done, but when I go home, lasagna. That's what hope is. That's what expectation is. When you see the word hope in your Bible, what God is saying is this, please rely expectantly on me for this. Now, let's read it. But when Jesus, when Jesus knew, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and, his, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Making reference to our Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus 
came to seek and to save that which was lost, and that includes we Gentiles. And what God is saying is this. You can, that's what you, uh, we could go look at it. There's so many. There probably is not a passage in our Bible that we couldn't go look at to look at these things. If you think of the woman at the well, the woman at the well, I, I, the, more, the more I study uh, what, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the more I realize how much he did understand what she was talking about. People like to say that the woman at the well was throwing confusion in the air, just trying to get away from having to talk about, about religious things. That is not the case at all. She understood. She understood what misery was, right? She'd had six husbands already. She understood how terrible and how much failures men were, and she just wanted something that was real in her life. And she knew this. The people that I come from say we should worship here. The people that you come from, because he's a Jew, say you should worship there. I don't understand these things. I don't know who does understand these things. But she finally gets to this point. This is what she says. I know that when Messiah comes, him we can trust. Him we can trust. And what does Jesus say to her? Woman, I that speak unto you am he. I am the Messiah. And she does backflips. Amen? She leaves her water pot. She goes into the city. She bring, again, the, all of his disciples are there. They went and got food and brought back nobody. She goes in by herself and brings back half the city to hear Jesus. Because she won't stop telling them, I've met the Messiah. I've met the Messiah. He knows everything about me, and he still loves me. You can trust him. That's what God wants us to understand. In his name shall the Gentiles trust. Shall we have hope? Shall we have expectation? Everything she needed, she knew he could do. This is what God wants you to understand about, about uh, trust. The fourth one, confidence in, reliance in. This is very similar to the second one that we saw. This is just a Greek word. Uh, which is very similar to the Hebrew word that we looked at earlier. So 2 Corinthians 3, 4, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to take anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. What a wonderful verse. This is this really all of the leadership of our church. This is our heart attitude right here. I hope it is. It's, it, you know, I would say that that's true. And such trust, confidence, reliance in, have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Amen? This is a tremendous truth. Who, what is your confidence in? What is your reliance in? What are you relying, honestly, really, what are you relying on? Let me ask you this. You say, well, I'm relying on God. What if you lost your job? Would anything change if you lost your job? Be honest. See, we say, you know, I remember it's, uh, it's uh, well, Jeff's sitting right here, Russ sitting right there, their brother, Tim, when he, was in, when he was in Russia. A Navy retirement in Russia is more than enough money to live. He was single, had no children. He's living in Russia on a Navy retirement. <clears throat> and he was talking to one of the men in Russia, and they were asking him about his support. He said, I don't really have very much support. He said, but I have a retirement and I have money, I have a pretty good amount of savings in the bank. And this is what they said. Oh, it must be easy to trust God when you have so much money in the bank. And this is what Tim said. No, it's easy to trust that money in the bank when you have so much money in the bank. Do you understand? What are you relying on? 
Listen, there's nothing wrong with having money in the bank. There's nothing wrong with having a good job. There really isn't. There's nothing wrong with those things so long as you're not loving those things, so long as your trust is not in those things, so long as your trust is in the God that provided those things for you. That's what God wants us to understand. And the same thing for the leadership of our church. We have good leadership in our church. We're truly blessed to have men who care more about others, to have men that care more about the will of God than they do about themselves. But we are not sufficient. Boy, isn't this a, how many of you right realize how important this is. We are not sufficient in ourselves, right? We are not sufficient. We have no sufficiency in ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Number five, persuaded. This is an interesting one. I would not have, I would not have known that the Bible was going to say this. Persuade, when, I, when I saw this one, I didn't realize it was there. Persuaded, won over, yielded to, okay? Here's the verse. But I trust in the Lord that I, that I also myself shall come shortly. But I trust in the Lord. And here's the idea. This is, this, the idea here is convinced. Okay? This is the point. I wasn't sure if I was coming or not. Right? I'd like to come and be with you guys. But I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to come. But this is what he says. But God has persuaded me that he's going to send me to see you. I am confident in God's will that I'm going to come and do this. What a tremendous truth this is. Boy, God help us to have this level of confidence in God before we see what it is that he's going to do. For us to be able to have God say to us, I'm going to do this. And for us to be able to say, God has told me he's going to do this and I have confidence in him. He has persuaded me to believe him that I'm going to be able to do this because God is going to do this. Now, let me stop for just a moment. I was talking to uh, another pastor in the area. He called me yesterday. To ask, just ask, to just kind of ask advice about something. And he said, someone came to see me about something the other day, about something that they want to do, and they were telling me how it was the will of God. And he said, but this person had told me something completely different was the will of God not that long ago. He said, and began, it caused me to wonder, does this person know what the will of God is? And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, well, as it so happens, this is what we're getting ready to study tomorrow. God wants, listen, please hear me. People will pursue what they want, okay? We will pursue what we want. And we will use the right words to convince others that we're doing the will of God while we're doing it, right? Yes? And not only that, we'll even get counsel, not from somebody who's not going to tell us what we want to hear, though, right? Right? So I have this, I have this great idea. Uh, you know, Tidewater's going to do blah, blah, blah. It's going to be just wonderful. And I know Kenny would think it's a great idea, so I'm going to talk to Kenny about it, Right? And Kenny, what do you think? You think so too? I thought so. I was quite sure it was the will of God. Now, you know, Ed Smith is uh, over at his house, and I'm going to go over and see Ed. No, you know what? Not, not Ed. Ed's not going to agree about this. Ed's not going to think the same way. Uh, I can go see Ronnie Jacobs. Though. Ronnie Jacobs is going to agree with me. You see what I'm saying? So what we do is we get a few people together, godly people. Kenny's a godly man. Ronnie's a godly man. I now have godly counsel agreeing with me with the will of God in my life. I get to do what I want. Do you see what I'm saying? That's not the same thing as being persuaded by God, right? No, I just want you to notice what it says. But I trust in the apostles that I myself also may come to you shortly, right? I trust in the church that I'm going to, that's what it says. But I trust in the Lord. See, who's, who's leading here? And the answer is the Lord is. And the Lord has convinced this person that this is what God would have us to do. And this is important in your life and in my life. This is the idea, one of the things, one of the seven that God talks to us about trust. Moving from there to number six, 
uh, to place trust in, to commit something in trust. So the word we're going to look at obviously can't be the word trust because you're not supposed to use that word in your definition. The word we're going to look at is the word believe, okay, the word believe. The word believe, we've talked about this a number of times, the word believe, the next two words we're going to look at are believe and faith. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, the idea behind believe is to place trust in. That's why we often say that to have faith and to believe, to have faith, 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 just faith, is the noun form of a word that means to trust. To believe is the verb form of the same word, and it means to trust. That's why we're showing them. So God wants you to understand that he wants you to commit your trust into him. So Now, by the way, this is in John, right? And all of you recognize John 3.16. How many times do you think the word believe is found in the Gospel of John? Anybody want to guess how many times the word believe is found in the Gospel of John? Anybody want to guess? Over 100 times it's in the Gospel of John alone. Do you actually have an electronic device that you're using or did you just look it up the other day? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, praise God. Well, there you go. Praise God. Somebody's trusting God, amen? Or at least looking at trusting God. Over 100 times in the Gospel of John alone, God says to believe. And by the way, go, if, you go, if, you go, if you don't want to look them up, just borrow Sam's Bible, okay? But if you go look at them in their context... What you'll find is, what does God want you to believe? And the answer is, in him. He wants you to believe in him. He wants you to put your trust in him. Do you hear what I'm saying? Please hear me. I know, it's, I know it sounds like I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but I am saying the same thing over and over again. Because there are too many Christians who are placing their confidence or their trust in something besides God. And God wants you to believe him at his word. He wants you to trust in him. The seventh one, I already told you what it was going to be. And the, def the definition is conviction of truth. The seventh one is conviction of truth, and it's the word faith. That your faith, this is the apostle wanting them to have confidence in God alone, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We were looking at this, we were looking at this in, in a proverb yesterday uh, as part of the graduation party yesterday. That, you're, that we would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That we would trust God at his word. That your faith, that your conviction, listen, that your conviction of truth should not stand in the wisdom of men. There is a great deal of false wisdom in the world today. The television, the movies, schools are just, and I'm, I'm telling you, just literally full of false wisdom, just full of false wisdom, from, by the way, very intelligent people. It's marvelous to me how much um, uh, confusion there is from very educated people, how little real wisdom and understanding there is in the world in which we live today. There's so much pretending going on all around us. And what God is saying is this, that your faith, that your confidence, that your conviction of truth, what is truth? And you would be convicted, that you'd be convicted that truth is what God says about this. Do you understand? Listen, not that you'd pretend that truth is what God says, but that you'd be convicted. This is it. This is it. So God is not asking you to pretend anything. He's asking you, let me show you 
so that you can trust me because I know what I'm doing in this. And God wants us to have that. Now, we'll be done in just a couple of minutes. Believing God, believing God, believing God at his word, right? Having the, the idea of trusting God, believing God at his word, the idea of the promise. I'm just going to look at a couple of verses. There, we could spend, and I mean this honestly, we could spend, well, we could spend weeks, months, months and months and months just looking at the promises of God. Because your Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation is full of the promises of God. And see, this is why God wants you to trust him at his word, because he has things he wants to say to you promises he wants to make to you and he wants you to be able to trust him to believe him for this notice these words that are in this in in this in this verse notice that uh, faith is in this verse and believe is in this verse but let's look at it but the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of jesus christ might be given to them that believe you can't earn your salvation but it can be and will be, and God wants it to be given to you. So all you have to do is this. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and God will give you the promise of salvation. This is what God wants you to have. Everything that God wants you to have is according to his promise. Everything that God wants you to have is according to his promise. When God speaks, he promises. When God's word says something to you, you can take it. Now listen, listen. I don't know how to help you, I, I don't, other, other than to keep saying this. I wish I could help everybody to understand the difference between thinking what God should do and seeing what God says he's going to do. Do you understand the difference? Right? I wish God would do this. That's great. You can wish all day long. What does God say about this? Right? What can I have actual confidence in? What can I put my finger down in the word of God and say, this is what God says about this? By the way, God says far more wonderful things than you're wishing for anyway. God has tremendous promises. By the way, God's promises are so remarkable that we don't believe they can be real. It's like, I can't have that. There's no way I can have that. Why not? God says you can. God gives a depth and a height and a breadth and a width of his love that we do not understand and we don't enter into. And all he wants us to do is to trust him at his word. The second passage is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. Right. So according to the Bible, the gospel of your salvation, you believed God at his word. In whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of what? promise. Now, by the way, this is a remarkable truth. The Holy Spirit of promise. When is the Holy Spirit promised? And the answer is all throughout the, whole te- the Old Testament. When God says, I will give you a new heart. You're the, listen, what's wrong with man? What's wrong with man? Women, I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about mankind. What's wrong with man? And the answer is this, his heart. So how could God help us? And the answer is, give us some rules to follow. No. Now, I do not understand why anybody thinks that has anything to do with the gospel. Giving us some rules to follow only makes me aware of my guilt. Do you understand? God says you should be this kind of a husband. And I look at that and I say, but I'm not that kind of a husband. What hope do I have? What expectation do I have? And this is the expectation that God promises to put the Holy Spirit in my heart. God promises to make me a new creature. Amen? And praise God, he has done it. 
And many of you, many of you are actually beginning to walk after the Spirit instead of after the flesh in your daily life. And it's changing your marriage. It's changing your jobs. It's changing everything because that's the promise of God. When we were saved, we trusted in the gospel, right? We heard the word of truth. We trusted in the gospel. And after we believed, when we believed, we were immediately sealed with the Holy Spirit. Just like that. Praise God. And now you're a new creature. And guess what can be done about it? What, what can Satan do about the fact that you're a new creature? And the answer is nothing. By the way, contrary to what Free Will Baptists would say, what can you do about your salvation and losing it? And the answer is you can't do anything about it. Listen, if you could, it wouldn't be eternal life. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never. It's not possible. Otherwise, Jesus fails. It's not about you failing. The problem with the idea of, 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 of losing your salvation is that would make Jesus a failure. Do you understand? Now, look, if you pretend that you're saved and you are never saved, that's different. Do you understand? But that's not Jesus losing you. That's you never coming to Christ. But when you believe, when you trust God, when you trust God, when you believe the word of God, he gives you the promises. That's what God does. And those promises are working in your heart and life right now. And where do you get the promises? Where do you get them? From the Word of God. That's it, from the Word of God. It's good to be here together only because we're doing this, right? Only because it's verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. But where is your confidence? In the verses, right? Not in the man showing you the verses, just in the verses themselves. My responsibility is to show you the verses. That's God's responsibility is to change your heart and life. And he's the one that's doing that. Last thing. And again, as I said before, we could go to so many different passages. I'm only going to use some that are familiar. And what's interesting is this. The first two that I'm going to use come from something that happened yesterday. Saturday, the, men's, the, men, the men have a prayer meeting on Saturday morning from 8 to 10 o'clock. For the first hour, we read the Word of God and look at it together. And for the second hour, we pray. And it's a really blessed time. But what I want to do is to show you two passages from yesterday because it will show you something wonderful. And David spake, this is, and, and this is in Second uh, Samuel 22, beginning of verse 1. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, and this is where the song begins, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Now, by the way, we could go through and get every one of the seven that we just looked at right here. Okay? Just in David singing about the worthiness of God to be what? Trusted. In him will I trust. He is all of these things. He is all of these things. He is fully worthy of our trust. So David trusted in God. But a little bit later, in the same chapter, by the way, David advises all of us to trust in God. Going on to verse, uh, same chapter, 22, starting in verse 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to who? To all them that trust in him. 
For who is God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? God is my strength and power, and he maketh my, he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and sendeth me up on high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness has made me great. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. The psalmist trusts God. And the, and the psalmist says to us this, so should you. There's nothing, um, if your son is ever hunting you down to kill you, then you're going through a difficult time. Right? If your boss is hunting you down to kill you, after you've been victorious time and time and time again for him, on his behalf, is hunting you down to kill you and lying about it, You've got a hard thing going on. During that time, who's David trusting in? God. And so what does he say to us? He's a buckler to everybody that trusts in him. Not just to David, but to each and every one of us. The last thing that we'll see is Joshua's last words. Joshua's last. And again, the only reason I use these is because they're, they're just because they're recent. Whatever, we were just going to look at whatever has been coming up recently. This, I've had to change this a couple of times. The last Thing that you looked at, if you go back and look at it again, you'll find the promises of God. You'll find that God can be trusted. And here's, here's what it says in Joshua 23, 14. And behold, this day, Joshua speaking, and behold, this day I, Joshua, am going the way of, the, of all the earth. In other words, I'm dying. And ye know, meaning everybody, all the children of Israel that have t entered into Canaan, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls, that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. He test, listen, he testified to them that they could testify God has done everything he's ever said that he would do. Everything. Amen? By the way, there's a hymn that we sing, and it says, Those who trust him wholly find him Holy, true. Nobody has ever leaned on God and he failed. Never. No one has ever leaned on God and God failed. Many people, as I've already said, have come into my office and leaned on things that other people said God would do if they did it. That's not the same thing. Don't believe men. Believe God. Believe God at his word. Trust in the Messiah. Trust in the Christ. Trust in the word of God. That's what God wants for us. And if you'll do that, it will change everything. From the moment you're born again all the way until your last breath, you can trust that God will do what he says he's going to do. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding and all thine ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Father, thank you for giving us these couple of minutes together in your word. Thank you for helping, Lord, that this would go well, Lord, thank you that we'd be able to go through and see these things, Lord, and you'd be able to show them to us. Lord, I pray that we would have just wonderful, wonderful confidence in you. Lord, that you would accomplish this day in our lives that which you want to accomplish in our lives. And Lord, that each and every one of us would put down whatever doubt we have and that we would trust you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.